And let me just say this. We refuse to help people that we don't pity. We refuse to help people that we don't pity. And let me tell you what pity is. Pity is the capacity to enter into the pain of another in order to do something about it. Pity. It is the capacity to enter into the pain of another in order to do something about it. Because we don't help people that we don't pity. You know, sometimes you can look at your pitiful children. (laughs) The reason that we help them is because we pity them. It allows us to enter into the pain of another. When you have a nurse that helps sick people, she, she pities them and he pities them. And it's because of that pity that they enter into the pain of another and it moves them to do something about it. Pity is the capacity to enter into the pain of another in order to do something about it. Now, self-pity is the incapacity. It is a crippling emotional disease that severely distorts our perception of reality. Self-pity. Narcissists in, in, uh, always uh, are victims of self-pity. Narcissists. Because they interpret everything through the prism of who they are. Well, they did this against me. And it's always against them. It's a terrible thing. I hate it when people are married to narcissists. Because the, the, the selfishness of that makes that relationship so unhealthy. And they never own their contributions to wrong things in the relationship. It's always your fault. Look straight ahead so we don't get anybody. Because, you know, if you came with a narcissist today, you know, you just act like I don't know what he's talking about or who he is talking about. But you know, you. But self-pity is an incapacity. It is a crippling emotional disease that severely distorts our perception of reality. So it's good for us to have pity on others, but it's not good to have self-pity. See, when the devil wants to mess your life up, he'll start telling you stuff, talking in your ear. He will throw a pity party and invite you as the guest of honor. But can I tell you this? The antidote, lean in real carefully. I'm going to tell you the antidote to self-pity. The antidote to self-pity is prayer. It is the antidote to self-pity. You start praying, you forget about yourself. See, when you start praying, it makes you an intercessor. You don't think about yourself. A prayer is the antidote to self-pity. It is the antidote to self-pity. Prayer is the antidote to self-pity because prayer is sensitive enough for us to be in touch with our self-pity, but it is strong enough for us not to become absorbed by it. Prayer is the antidote to self-pity. And you cannot serve others your harvest if you're always thinking about yourself. That's why you have to pray. And when you pray, when you pray, when you pray, you begin to get sensitive to the compassionate heart of God that moves you to do something to be able to serve the harvest that you have to other people. And the more you serve your harvest, the more more that he'll give you, the more that he'll give you, the more that he'll give you, the more that he'll give you. You know, I find out when I go different places that there are other preachers that watch Bishop Bronner and they love to steal my quotes. It is okay because... The more they steal, the more God gives me. 
No, no, it's, you know, really. I mean, why? I mean, you know, if I only have two apples, I'm going to be really, really protective over those two apples. I mean, how dare you give my, you know, I'm going to file a lawsuit over your stealing my apple. <laughs> but if you get the apple and, 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 and there are bushels more, apples where that one came from, I don't have time to be defensive. I'm honored that people would steal my quotes. Just, you know, just go, go, just, you know, because I've got more where that came from. I just trust God that, you know, God, if I give them everything I got this week, I trust you that next week you're going to give me something else. I really do. I really do. I, I, I just, I just believe that. Pablo Picasso said that the meaning of life is to find your gift and the purpose of life is to give it away. The meaning of life is to find your gift and the purpose of life is to give it away. You have to give your gift away. Give your gift away. There is a harvest that God is developing in your life. It is designed to be served toward others and God will put you in the midst of people who need what he has been cultivating in the garden of your life. In the garden of your spirit, the things that has fed you, then God wants you to use that to help feed others. Now, how do you give your gift away to serve others? How do you give your gift away to serve others? How do you give your gift away to serve, serve others? Let me, let me uh, encourage you to do this. Set a goal to commit five random acts of kindness a day. See, most people will do one act, but that's not enough to create a culture of revolution, uh, of, 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 of kindness, a, a culture of kindness. Uh, set a goal to commit five random acts of kindness a day. Now, I know that sounds like a lot, but it makes you become intentional about it. Five, five. Now, I'm not talking about major stuff. I'm not talking about stuff that's going to make you go broke. <laughs> Smiling at somebody is a random ca- uh, act of kindness. Holding a door for somebody. You know, you, 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 you get there first and you just, just hold them. Uh, letting somebody get in line when you're trying to get out of the parking lot. Here's a thought. (laughs) It's a random act of kindness. You do five of those and you you create five of those a day, five of those a day. Just, Just smile back at people. Give somebody an encouraging word. Give somebody a telephone call to, uh, you know, lift their spirit. You'd be surprised. A parent disciplining their child is a gift. Just calling somebody to lift their spirit is a gift. Tutoring someone is a gift. Praying for someone, praying with someone, that's a gift. Just smiling at a stranger is a gift, a random act of kindness. Sharing your skill in music or dance or poetry, a spoken word, it is a gift. Uh, helping somebody to organize their thoughts, to organize their life, to organize their home or their office, that's a gift. It's a gift to organize their finances. That's a gift. And in each time that you can just, just do just a little thing, just a little thing, it, it can make a difference in the life of another person. It doesn't have to be major. It's just a gift. Uh, Leonardo da Vinci, he, he used to buy caged animals just so he could set them free. It wasn't so he could be noticed in the paper about it. He, he would just buy caged animals to set them free because he realized animals are not born to be in a cage. And he would buy the animal and then set them free. Just a random act of kindness. And you know what? Givers like that become happy, happy people. Little things, just five 
random acts of kindness. See, it'll make you cautious intentionally about being kind to people. Five acts a day. You, you won't get it. No revolution will happen with just one because most of us do one or two a day anyway. But think about five random acts of kindness every day. Smiling at somebody, letting somebody in, in front of you. And I know in Atlanta's traffic, that takes the Holy Ghost. <laughs> it takes dying to yourself because my wife has seen them and I'm just almost riding on somebody's bumper like, don't he? And then I put my blinders on. But we're designed to serve the harvest, serve the harvest, serve the harvest, because you either hoard what you have or you help with what you have. You hoard what you have or you either help with what you have. Notice the word of the Lord, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 11 in the message version of Scripture. So speak encouraging words to one another. Build up hope so you'll all be together in this. No one left out. No one left behind. I know you're already doing this. Just keep on doing it. So this is an encouragement to just keep helping people, encouraging people, serving the harvest. Because you know when there are other sick people around you, and if you're well, and if you don't share your wellness with others, they get worse in their sickness. We get sick in isolation. Sometimes your gift is just going and sitting with a lonely person calling somebody who hasn't had anybody to talk to, to them and who feels thrown away and forgotten. It's going and sitting with an elderly person or sitting with a, with a sick person or, or, or serving them because they've gotten too old to really care for their, their place and going there and cleaning their kitchen, washing clothes and, you know, helping them with some very mundane things, going to the grocery store for someone. I mean, that used to be a culture of kindness in America where, where you would have people that would would help people across the street and now they, they'll nearly run you over. It's amazing. And some folks just don't help folks because they claim that they're too busy. But busy is a decision. You have to help people even when you know that they can't help you back. Help people even when you know they can't help you back. And here's something I want you to really think about. Helping others requires love and courage. Helping others requires love and courage. It requires love and courage. Now, let me tell you this. One of the reasons that people don't want to get involved because, you know, you can get hurt trying to help people. You know, you're trying to help folks. You don't know what's up their sleeve. You don't know what their agenda is. And that's why I said it requires love and courage. You can love people, but just like you're scared to help them. Because you, know, you don't know whether they're going to try to pull a knife on you and rob you or rape you. you. You don't know what. Love is a risk. That's why it requires love and courage. Love and courage. But let me say this to you. I love something, one of my favorite sayings of, of Ralph Waldo Emerson. He says, God will not have his work manifest by cowards. God will not have his works manifested by cowards. He will not have his work manifested by cowards. Love takes courage. It takes courage sometimes to speak truth to people because you could be ostracized. You could be, uh, you know, when, when they start stacking things against you. You could reap negative repercussions when you do what is right. That's why it takes courage. And let me say this to you. Courage is more important 
than confidence. Courage, it is more important than confidence. What do you mean by that? I'm glad you asked. If I'm going to do something for someone and I need courage to do it, I may not be confident that I can do it successfully because confidence is built by your doing something successfully many times, repeat it, and then every time that you do that, your confidence grows. The, the more times that you're able to successfully do something, your confidence grows. But there are times that you need courage and you've never done this before. So you have no confidence in that area. So when you get ready to lay new foundations for something, you need courage because I don't have confidence. Confidence is built on past success. But courage is built on the strength of who God is in you. And so I need courage. I need courage to say, God, I don't know. It, it took courage for Esther to say, I'm going to go before the king. And if I perish, I perish. I don't know whether I'm going to live or die. Because if he doesn't extend the royal scepter to me, I could see death. And, and I don't know. I have no confidence in myself. He's, and, and, and she knew that. And that's why she told everybody, all of her Jewish friends, she said, yeah, I want y'all to be praying and fasting. Praying and fasting because she said, I'm getting ready to lay my life down for you. And I need you to pray for me. I need you to turn your plate down because she said, this ain't play play time here. This for real, for real. And she was letting them know this is the real deal and I need somebody to pray for me because she did that out of courage, not confidence. She didn't have confidence in her ability. She had courage, courage. And I'm telling you that courage will drive you into a place no matter how you feel about yourself or your opportunities or the outcome or the risk Courage will say, jump in the water and save your baby, even if you don't know how to swim. But courage says, I'm going after it. I can't just sit here and just watch everything go to hell in a handbasket. Courage will make you get up and make an attempt of it. Go for broke and say, God, I don't know whether you're going to help me, whether I'm going to fly or die, but I'm going to go. Anybody know what I'm talking about? When God puts something in your heart and you don't really have a guarantee that it's going to work, but all that you have is something that God has spoken to you, you've got a prophetic word, you've got an intuition, you've got a dream, you've got something on the inside. You don't understand that when God said, you got a courage in you, that you begin to go and you said, Lord, I may not be much myself. I don't have the education. I don't have the accolades. I don't have the degrees. I don't have the pedigrees. Lord, I don't have all of this stuff that everybody else has, but I go in the name of the Lord. The others come with chariots and horses. But here little David said, I'm coming, I'm coming in the name. In the name. He went with a slingshot and a rock. He said, I don't have any cannons. I don't have a sword. I don't have a shield. I'm just going. He was there. He had confidence in God, in God. And confidence in God is called courage. Courage, courage, courage. He didn't have the confidence in himself. He never fought a giant before. He was fighting something that was bigger than he'd ever seen all of the days of his life. And the only reason that he did is because he had a love for God's people. He said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that has the audacity, the unmitigated gall to speak, you know, negative things against my God? How dare you take the name of my God in vain? How dare you? And he went with a slingshot and a rock 
with courage toward God. And that's why I tell you, courage is more important than confidence. It's more important. Proverbs chapter 19 and verse 17 says that if you help the poor, you are lending to the Lord and he will repay you. He will repay you. And Frank said that no one has ever become poor by giving. No one. They become poor through foolish spending, but nobody has ever become poor by giving. You know, one of the things that I've noticed is that the happiest people on the planet are the givers and the thankful and the most unhappy people of the world are the stingy and the unthankful. Proverbs chapter 28 and verse 27 says this, the New Living Translation. Whoever gives to the poor will lack nothing, but those who close their eyes to poverty will be cursed. What you do today impacts your tomorrow. You have no ability to erase the earlier chapters of your life, nor can you edit the headlines, but you can still write a good ending. The epic of your story, the, the meta-narrative, is not yet over. And I want to encourage you, write something worth reading or do something worth writing about. There's something that God has given you that's designed to be able to serve other people, not to be self-serving. But something that God has given you that is designed to be given, and you've got to harvest the harvest is always more than what you need. And God does not want you to be left out. He's going to take care of you. But I want you to think about what is my harvest? What is my harvest? What is my harvest? It might begin with your going in your closet and getting some things out that are in great condition that you can't even fit anymore. I know you believe in God to get back in it. I, I, I know that. I know something you paid too much for just to. But can I say, listen, if, if, if you hadn't been in it in five years, <laughs> you're going to hoard it and moth are going to get in there. And There's something that you have in your harvest. Your harvest is sometime right in your house. And I just want to encourage you if you focus on doing five intentional acts of kindness a day, whether it's a kind, encouraging word, whether it's just lifting somebody's spirit, whether it's just expressing gratitude and thanks for a job well done when someone serves you, just little ways, it, it makes you intentionally a kind person. Mean people don't oftentimes even realize how mean they are. But kindness is never an accident never an accident. We're designed to serve the harvest. The fruit of the Spirit, the fruit, the fruit, the fruit, the fruit, love, joy, peace, patience, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, meekness, temperance. Listen, he said, against such there is no law. This, this is fruit. Share your fruit. Jesus said, do you love me? 
Do you love me? Do you love me? Then he gives us a command. Feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Feed my lamb. Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Serve what I've distributed to you. Jesus has broken something off for you. And if we don't get passionate about redeeming people for the kingdom of God, shame on us. Because when somebody dies and goes to hell, that's an eternal decision. And we can't let, them, let that happen on our watch. We've got to say, Lord, you've been merciful to me. And listen, everybody is running around talking about justice, justice, justice. And I heard a sound in the spirit that says what you should be seeking is mercy. 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 You really don't want justice to visit your house. You want the mercy of God. And every time I think about the condition of our world, it makes something down in my spirit and say, Lord, have mercy. Have mercy. Have mercy. Have mercy on us, God. Have mercy on us that we have degenerated to the degree that deranged individuals are going in and children can't even be safe in school having to be worried about whether they're going to come home safely, their parents wondering, is my child coming home safely? That ought not be a concern of our education. When we have corruption in politics, Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. When there's a threat of nuclear weaponry, Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Have mercy. But while we're having mercy, then we have to be merciful ourselves and compassionate and start serving out of the harvest. We can create a culture because many of these individuals that are deranged have been because they've been so disenfranchised, cast out from society. They've been bullied. They've been wounded. They've been abandoned. They've been hurt. And hurt people hurt people. And nobody was sensitive enough to realize that something is wrong with this person and we are attacking the person that's a victim and we're never asking the question, I wonder what pain that they're dealing with, what offense, what hurt, what wound happened in their life that is driving them to this kind of behavior that maybe God can use me as an intercessor, a go-between to help to stop this. Maybe, maybe, just maybe if I can get this person redeemed, maybe if I can pray for them, maybe if I can help them to see that they are not alone. Maybe if they realize that somebody cares, that somebody loves them, the greatest way to conquer your enemy is to use the force of love and make them a friend. It's the most powerful weapon that we have. It's time. Bow your heads. Nobody walking. If you're in this place today, if you're in this place, And you've not accepted Jesus as Lord.